All right, we're back with Reaction, Episode 8. Episode 8, here we go. The podcast where we talk about how to react at home to what we hear on Sunday. That's right. And we're in a series called Motive where we're talking about why we do what we do. So the crazy things that church people do every week. What is the scripture that backs that up? Right. What are the commands that we've received from God that kind of give us God's on how to live? And this week we're talking about giving. Uh, we're talking about tithing and what the scripture has to say about that. So just to kick us off, what are some of the kind of preconceptions, the misgivings that people have? What are the things that we don't quite understand about giving? Yeah, I think, man, the, the, and as we've had, <clears throat> and you have to excuse my voice, right? We were just discussing this right before we turned the camera on. It's allergy season. It's allergy season. And um, and so, yeah, I, I, I sound like I've just swallowed a handful of gravel. Um but the, I think a lot of people, when it comes to giving, it's like, well, is this something we have to do? You know, is this something, is, oh, it's just an Old Testament thing, right? right? It's an Old Testament. Jesus says, you know, Jesus says, we don't, it's not, it's not a set amount, is it? Is It's not like, what is, what is it? What's it like? What is, what are we supposed to get? How much are we supposed to give? Um, it's old fashioned. It's old fashioned. <laughs> yeah. We do, do like, does the church really need this? You yeah. know, like those, those, what's it go to? You know, those those are kind of things now that, that, you know, more than anything, we hear the questions when it comes to like offering or giving, you know, and it's, we talk about the weird things that Christians do. And it's like, if you, if you go to a, to a church service, right, that they, they usually play a sad song during communion, right? And they usually play some sort of upbeat tune when it comes time for offering. It's like, yeah. hey, everybody get happy. So we're going to run you through the range of emotion. But when we need that money in the plate, man, we're going to make sure that you're that it's happy, that it's bouncy, that it feels good, you know, kind of thing. So when I, is... when I was in uh, Africa, the giving portion of the service was unbelievable. It was like a, it was just a celebration. People were racing from the back of the room to the front of the room to give their tithe. Awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy music. And there's all kinds of ways to do it. I mean, yeah. you, there's the, there's the traditional pass the plate, you know, there's the, there's the put it in the bucket on your way out, you know, kind of deal. Um, you know, now you can text to give. You know, so it just is one of those things of going, okay, so all of those signals of how do we do this and what does it go for and why do we do it? And, you know, it's got to be rooted somewhere, right? It's not, it's, and the answer ultimately behind it, it's not just to keep the lights on, right? There's something more to this. And mm -hmm. so that's what we wanted to talk about this weekend. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, one of our opening questions the way we started the service was just asking students, like, what are the resources in your life that you have? Yeah. Because for students, this the idea of giving is not necessarily like a money issue first. Like, right. that's part of it. And, yeah. and we want to set students up to to have good habits as they grow up and have, uh, as they have more money associated to their name. But really, the the idea of giving, of tithing, of first fruits is not like a money first thing. It's about where your attention is, like what's on the front burner of your life. That's, exactly That's right. what giving is about. And so the right question for, for a student might not be a dollar amount. The right question might be, what what are the first fruits of who I am? And yeah. That might be your creativity. It might be your energy. It might be your time. Uh, the thing that you care about most might be the your status or like the expectations that other people have on your life. But those are the things that students can look to and say, how do I give out of this? Sure. Because these are my resources. And yeah. so for, for some students, giving might be uh, watching less YouTube. For some students, giving might be putting the Xbox controller down. It might be buying less makeup so you have a little bit extra money to put in the plate after the service like it can look different for a lot of different people because we're all we're all devoted to different things but as a church family we're called to all be devoted to god before 
anything else. So no matter yeah. what that thing is on your front burner, like the idea of giving really, really simply distilled down is just being devoted to God before the other things that you yeah. care about. Yeah. And that's why really on Sunday, we, we started out saying, Hey, look, we're going to answer this question of why do we give to God? You know, which you could see the, the students go, Oh no, like we, like, we don't have anything to give, yeah. right? You know, that, that's their immediate response of, I don't have anything to give. Like, I live under my parents' roof. I, you know, I, for the most part, they're like, and, and it was cool when we asked students that question, like, what's your biggest resource? A lot of them said, our parents. And that's yeah. a true statement, you know, and in a lot of ways it is. It's like our parents are, you know, the, the our primary resource. Without them, you know, in the mo- and for the most part, we wouldn't have a roof to, to live under. We wouldn't have you know, money in our pocket. We wouldn't have, you know, the, the stuff that we need to live, clothes on our back and all that. If it wasn't that we've got some students who they're fending for themselves at 15, 16, 17 years old, you know, but for the vast majority, yeah. You know, well, what do we have to give? And so that's why it's, it's not so much the what or why do we give. The, at least the first question that we answered on Sunday was, the first question we have to answer on Sunday is a faith question, right? So it's what, who or what do you believe in? Yeah. You know, which is you know, kind of ties into what you're saying. And, and so the definition, we kind of gave our, our students a, a new definition of faith as it relates to, to kind of this topic. And it's it's who or what we put our confidence in to best take care of us and supply what we need. So as I think about that in my own life, it is. It's like, so what are the things right now that I it, when I think of faith, faith is not some immaterial thing, you know, that or it's not even like the warm fuzzies when they... You know, they play the right worship song on a Sunday morning or I hear a message that I like or, or you know, I, I read in the Bible at Bible and Beach. And it's like, oh, yeah, all these dots are connected. My faith is growing. No, no, let's think about it in a tangible way. Who or what do you put your trust and your confidence in to best take care of you and supply you with what you need? And so we asked our students on Sunday, you know, we went through like the whole close your eyes and think about what that thing is, right? That thing in your life that is the most important thing to you. And it can be intangible, right? It, it, it may be, it, maybe it is an Xbox, but maybe it's your ability to play a sport. Maybe it's the fact that you've, you're a 4.0 student, right? It's your academics. You know, that's the thing that you're relying on in your life right now to set you up, right? And take you to wherever, to wherever you want to go. Now, imagine going without that. You know, and it was like we asked the question, like, whose anxiety went up? And, you know, a handful of hands go up. But it's like you could see, you could feel the tension in the room. And I think the same thing goes for us, you know, as adults and as grownups. It's like as I think about the things in my life that, that that you know, I trust to take care of me, you know, from the the car that sits in my garage that I, I trust when I walk out, you know, every morning to go to work. When I turn the key, it's going to turn on. Yeah. Because when it doesn't, man, my whole world goes up in flames, right? At that point, it's like, oh, now I got to pay for this. I got to fix this. Or or maybe it's, you know, I, the fact that I depend on and I count on my wife, you know, to, uh, to that we, you know, partner together. And, you know, I, I'm dependent upon my parents still at almost 40 years old. Like, I, I'm counting on them. Now, they're not going to be around forever, right? Uh, but at the same time, too, there's still a part of me that's like, man, these are the, the thought of going without these people in my life, you know, or even some of the things in my life. Boy, it would, as I start to think about that, my anxiety goes through the roof. And, and Dallas Willard um, has a quote in Divine Conspiracy where he talks about what we worry about um, and what we what we tend to be concerned about, those things that... You know, parents and students, as you're listening to this, you're imagining that who that person is or what that thing is or what that ability is. Imagine not having that anymore. Your anxiety goes through the roof. Dallas Willard says, what you're worried about reveals what you haven't surrendered to God, 
right? So that thing is a thing in your life that you're going, okay, God, you can have this part of me and this part of me and this part of me, but this stuff over here, I, I think I, I think I got this one. Like this is mine, right? I haven't yeah. yet given him, I haven't entrusted that to him yet um, because God, I want to keep my arms around this. I want to keep my hands around this. And so what we said on Sunday is it starts to create this tug of war effect where, you know, on one side, it feels like we have Jesus pulling us towards him saying, trust me, trust me, trust me. And then we've got these things or these people or these abilities in our life pulling us the other way saying, I can take care of you. I can take care of you. And it's it just comes down to the which one are we going to believe in, right? Which one are we going to choose to put our trust in? This one sometimes feels better because I can see it, I can feel it, I can you know I I know where it where it where it sits at night. Like I I know this. Sometimes it's harder to do to trust that with Jesus because it's like ah you know I'm not I'm not real sure about this. Uh, and so you know it is it feels like we're going to get ripped in half. You know, yeah. in, in this, and we exist kind of in this tension where it feels like, you know, so what am I going to trust? Who or what, you know, do I, do I, am I putting my confidence in to best take care of me and supply me with what I need? And when that worry starts to creep up, it reveals what's on the other end of the rope, right? So you got Jesus on this end. And the thing that we go, oh, if, if, if this got taken away from me, my life would explode, right? My life would just go up in flames. That's what's on the other end of the rope for you. Yeah. If you're wondering, how do I figure out what that is? That's how you figure out what that is. So we we get caught in this tension, and we can only exist in this tension for for an extended period of time before we're going. Okay, I got to let go of one or the other, right? Mm-hmm. Because it feels like I'm going to get torn in half. Yeah, yeah. It's 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 like one part faith, one part worship, because worship is attribution, and you're you're being sustained by Jesus. You're you're saying your faith is is in God to sustain you, but then you're putting all your like your gratitude into this thing that's that's holding onto your other arm going like man I couldn't live without x well what is that thing that you couldn't live without really providing for you and yeah. how long is that going to sustain you right right uh, but but for parents it's interesting because you have to ask yourself what am I worried about what is what is that thing that that is vying for my attention but then you also have to ask yourself what am I worried about for my student and so it's it's a two part question. You got to lead with with being, uh, you know, centered and and focused on Jesus in your own life. But then it's also what expectations am I putting on my student by worrying uh, about what's going on in their life? And am I worried about their salvation, their relationship with Jesus? You know, the the way that they're running after that, or am I worried about other things in their life that 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 I'm banking their future on? Yeah. Uh, and and so that's an important two step question for parents. Matthew six, it starts to talk about that word worry. A Lot. And mm. Jesus kind of points out the absurdity of, of this balance that we live in. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you'll eat or drink, or about your body, or what you'll wear. Uh, is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They, they do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. I love, it says, your heavenly Father, yeah. meaning that's it's our same Father, yeah. feeds them. Yeah. He feeds the birds. He cares about the birds. He knows every bird that's ever been created. Uh, so are you not much more valuable than they are? Can any of you by worrying at a single hour to your life? And so it's pointing out this, this, this picture that, that Jesus, he created the, the birds, he provides for them and he created us, he's gonna provide for us. And by worrying about that, by questioning that, like we're not making our life any better. There's no scenario where if we worry enough, our lives will get better or we'll be sustained more. Yeah. Yeah. by the earth like right. we can only be sustained uh so far 
But later on in, in that chapter, it says, do not worry saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink? What shall we wear for the pagans run after all these things? And your heavenly father knows that you need them, but seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be given to you as well. Like our desires and our earthly needs are not a surprise to God. Yeah. It's not like he, he knows what you need. Yeah. He yeah. didn't, he didn't set up this model of like, well, care about me before everything else without knowing that we also are going to want these other things. And we're also going to need these other things. Like he was aware of that when he set up the system. Yeah. Uh, and he knows what our needs really are, not just what we want, but what we need to be sustained. If we're willing to let go of, of our expectations, then I think we can step much further into whatever he's calling us towards. Yeah. Um, and he's going to he's gonna give us what we need to, to go there. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's it's interesting that, that you know, we, we said Sunday, like, Jesus talks about anxiety. And so people oftentimes ask me, like, you know, is anxiety in the Bible? Yes. You know, like the thing that is the modern day scourge of humanity, yeah. right, is, is in the Bible. Yeah, giving uh, may be more relevant now yeah. than it yeah. was... 70 years ago right. when it, people thought about giving as a money thing. Yeah, and, it, and the thing is, is like it's, it's, it is directly tied to anxiety because right before Jesus talks about this, this issue of worry, he teaches about money, right? And, and, and you know, Jesus, Jesus taught about money more than anything else. So if you read through the Gospels, the biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, like you'll find that Jesus talks about money a lot. And, and he didn't talk about money because he needed it. Yeah. Um, the reason that Jesus talked about money so much was because in his day and in his culture, it was the it was the greatest competition for the hearts of people. It was his greatest competition uh, for the hearts of people, and so that's why Jesus talked about money as much as he did. Um, because Jesus was, he was poor. I mean, he was poor and, and even there's times too, when people say, Hey, I want to be your follower. And he's like, well, Hey, if you're going to be my follower, you got to know, like, again, going back to animals, foxes have places to live and birds have places to live. But me, I'm the son of God. I don't know where I'm going to lay my head down tonight. Right. So he's even saying like, I don't know if I'm going to sleep outside. Like this is a guy who was, but he wasn't concerned. It wasn't like, Hey, I need more money. Fund my ministry kind of thing. He was talking about money because it was the thing that was in direct competition with him for the hearts of people. Um, and it goes back to that same question, who or what is, do I, am I putting my trust and my confidence in to best take care of me? For people in Jesus' day, it, it was money. And so he talks about you know where our treasures are. He talks about treasures in heaven versus treasures on earth. But then he also talks about our eyes. He talks about, you know he says in Matthew 6, um, he says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your body will be full of darkness. If the light within you is darkness, then how great is that darkness? And we start thinking about like the things in life that we are beginning to put our faith in and trust in. And we say it like this, what you look for is what you'll live for. And what you'll live for is what, is what you'll die for. So you have to ask the question of this, what I'm looking for in my life right now, that thing that I feel like will bring me safety and provide for me is it worth living for and ultimately is it worth dying for because jesus closes that section out he says nobody can serve two masters you're either going to love one or hate the other you're going to be devoted to one or despise the other you can't serve both god and money which goes back to that tug of war thing like you're gonna let go of one end of the rope right because you can only exist in this tension for so long Uh, and so for us it's like okay students you can take that money word and drop it out and replace it with whatever's on the end of the rope. Parents, for a lot of us, I know it is money, right? It's trying to make ends meet because the world today is becoming more and more and more expensive. It's not cheaper to live in 2019. Um, it's more expensive. And so I get it, that you, but you can't serve both. 
And it comes back to you that that whole hopes and dreams thing of, of what is it, you know, that we are that we're ultimately looking for and living for and dying for. And where are our hopes and dreams placed? Yeah. You know, are they placed in, you know, the the and I'm just speaking from my, my from a personal standpoint here. You know, are my hopes and dreams based on and attached to the success that I need to have because my father wanted me to have success, like my earthly father wanted me to be successful? Same thing, parents, you think about your own kids. It's like, are they hope? Are, are your hopes and dreams, are their hopes and dreams to live up to your expectations uh, and what you want them to do? You know, or is it one of those things where we're going, you know, I'm, I'm trusting, I'm taking this part of my life, I'm trusting, you know, that God's going to do, um, you know, what he's going to do with them. And so, you know, I do think it's like we can't serve two masters. Like it's the old, it's the Bob Dylan song, yeah. serve, serve somebody, right? You're going to serve God or you're going to serve the devil, but you're going to serve somebody. Yeah. So we got to figure out that, that tension on the end of that rope. Um, and you know, something too, we said, as we start to think about this idea of giving, right? Um, as we start to think about where we're going to give and what we can give, uh, another like big thing, this, this came from some, so somebody who was my high school pastor back in the day, his name is Jim Bergen, uh, is a pastor at a church out in Boulder. Um, he, he said this in, in one of his sermons recently, and it just grabbed a hold of me. It says, when you and I hold things back for ourselves, we show everyone in our lives where they rank. And so as we start to think about this idea of giving, whether it's giving of our time or giving of our ability or giving of our money, when we start to hold things back for ourselves, we show everyone else in our lives where they rank. And that includes God. That's where it gets real personal, yeah. right? Um, and some of us, we know what this feel, we, we know what it feels like. Some students, some of you know what it feels like to just want your dad's attention. And it doesn't matter what I do. It doesn't seem like I can get it. It doesn't seem like I'm worth it. Like it's, he's too focused on this or, you know, like we, we've, we felt that in the past. Um, but as we start to think about this, it's like, well, I could give you my time, but then I wouldn't get to do what I want to do. So I'm gonna hold that back for myself. When you hold that back for yourself, you're telling that person where they rank, or yeah. I could buy your lunch, but then I wouldn't be able to get my, my venti latte. Right. Or I could help the worst player on my team, but then I might miss out an opportunity to impress my coach, or I could leverage my influence and my status that I have, my popularity to build other people up. But that goes against the whole thing of really what normally props me up is pushing people down. Right. So when we do that, we show other people where they rank, you know, in our lives. And so, when we get down to this whole deal of like, what does God want and how do we give to God? God doesn't need our money, right? Um, it's a it's a symbol. It's a way for us to say, hey, I'm willing to. I'm showing. I'm giving you a piece of my heart, essentially, um, and that's why we give to God, right? We're willing to give to God. I'm willing to go without X amount of whatever this thing is. Uh, because God, I'm trusting for you to provide for me. So we talked about like the Old Testament, the old fashioned like tithing. Mm -hmm. um, and this is where hopefully I think it, it will put some things into perspective. It's like tithing is giving 10%. Um, and so I said this Sunday, I don't say this to pat myself on the back because there was a time recently, Mike, when I wasn't doing this, I wasn't tithing. My wife and I were not tithing. We were not giving 10% of our income. We do that now. And we've been doing that for the past couple of years. Now, do we have debt? Yeah. Do I have credit card debt? Sure. Do I have to pay for two kids and school and medical bills and all that kind of stuff? Yeah. I mean, do I have car payments? Yeah. Do I have a mortgage? Yeah. I've got to pay all that stuff. Yeah. But here's the thing. I am willing to live off of 90% of my income. I'm going to trust God with 10%. 
and I'm going to trust him to provide for what I'm giving up. Yeah. And is God bigger than the list that you just that you just described? Absolutely. Yeah, he's a lot bigger than that yeah, list. That, that list is big, but God's a lot bigger. Yeah. It's cool. Yeah. Man, there's so much in this conversation, but it really, it comes down to perspective. Like it's, it's having the perspective of somebody who lives in the kingdom of God, who trusts God uh, and believes that, that he's bigger than the universe because... Uh, you know, it, it is a backwards way of thinking. Like yeah. these are the things that are right in front of me that are that are going to be like most immediately in my future, and I'm going to care about those things. Um, but I'm not going to care about them as much as what's beyond that. I'm not going to care about them as much as the stuff that I don't see. Like it is just adopting an alternative mindset. At the end of the day, that's what it is. Um, and and you got to ground yourself, root yourself in the language that helps you like hold on to that perspective. If you yeah. look back in retrospect at stories of people who are destroyed by greed, like it's really easy to see their error. You know, like yeah. the, the Midas touch story. Like why in the world did he want everything to be gold? Like that ruined him. Or or you look at you watch Lord of the Rings and you're like just throw the ring in the in the lava. Like get rid of it. Like bury it. Just run from it because obviously it's destroying you. Like it's easy to see in retrospect what greed does but when you're in the moment it's really easy to be swept up by it because it's the thing that's right in front of you and so just establishing a kingdom perspective is like the thing that's going to help you do this and it's language like that like i can live on the 90 percent yeah i can trust god (laughs) to live on 90 percent of my income uh you know it's putting yourself in that mindset that's going to help you live it out and that's going to help you continue to be consistent and continue to trust and have the faith that you need to have to live that lifestyle yeah so walking away from this we got the challenge live on live on 90 percent yep you got to do that first as parents as as a family you've got to do that to model that for your kids so that yep. they can see that example um and then, and then the flip side of that is is what are the expectations that you're putting on your student how are you helping them live on the 90 percent? exactly you right know, you've got to you've got to model it for them first and then you've got to put expectations on them that 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 make it okay uh, that sports aren't the number one thing in their life. Make it okay that their career or their future or their scholarship or whatever it is is not the number one thing in their life. Like that may be the number two thing in their life, but God has to be the number one thing. Yeah. And you have to be communicating that to your students. So those are the two things like coming out of the sermon. Model it yep. with your finances. Model it with your time and attention. God doesn't need your money. He wants your affection. Yep. Uh, and then and then model it with the expectations that you put on your student. That's exactly right. And I think the, the thing for, for parents that I would just encourage you to do is sit down and look at your budget and, and figure out, okay, where, where's 10, take 10% right off the top, yeah. right? And when you're setting your baseline for your budget, it's not this anymore. It's I'm taking 10% of our income right off the top. It's going out the door. And yeah, I mean, we'd love for it to come to support Southeast Christian Church, but at the same time too, it may be a missionary in the field that yeah. is doing something that, man, lines up with your heart. And we believe what this person is doing. We're going to support this person. Great. Do that. Just take it right off the top. Give it to the mission and the kingdom of God. Um, and speed of the leader equals speed of the team on that one. So yeah. as you begin to do that, it's easier for you to then see like, yeah, if I'm modeling this for my student, um, modeling this for the kids of my, my you know, my kids, you know, and, and they're seeing us do this and go without some of these things, then it is. It puts it into perspective of going, yeah, you know, when my when my son or my daughter comes to me and they say, like, hey, I think I'm, I'm not going to play football anymore. Um, and the reason I want to not play football is I want to give the time that I was giving to football to this, you know, to people. 
okay. Yeah. Right. And then that needs to be a celebration. Yeah. Because you're yeah. going, oh, you're you're following the same thing that we set up. Yeah. Like so, we're going to celebrate that. But I think the key in that budget conversation too is it's not the last ten percent of your budget. It's the first. It's 10%. right off the top. It's the first ten percent. Yeah. And that and that's the thing to communicate to your students. It's not the last ten percent of your time. It's not the time after homework, after practice, after whatever. It's the first 10% of your time. Yep. That's the thing that you got to communicate to your family. That's exactly right. It's an important conversation. Yep. Yep. Continuing the conversation next week with more more questions about why we do what we do. That's exactly right. We'll be back again with the Motive Series soon. See you soon.